Welcome back to the Devin Nunes podcast. Sorry for those of you who are tuning in live on Rumble. Apologize for keeping you waiting, but you know, technology is technology. Last week, we apologized because we had Cash Patel on and we had some technical difficulties. But this week, we've got our good friend, the great John Solomon from Just the News. Welcome, John. Yeah, good to be with you, Congressman. Well, look, it's a busy, busy week. Uh, you're breaking news left and right. You're breaking so much news that we can't even keep up with the news that you're breaking because <laughs> there's so many scandals going on along oh with government shut, shutdowns and everything else. Yeah. Um, let's first get into right away today, the hearing, opening impeachment inquiry against the Bidens. I know you're, you're following that closely, um, but who's not following it closely, John? The mainstream media. It's crazy. I remember last it? time when we were embroiled in the multiple Donald Trump impeachments uh, oh, yeah. nonsense, it was wall-to-wall -wall coverage for days on end. Breaking like news. Big, big, yeah. big production. So who was, who was there today and what's your initial assessment? I know it's still ongoing. Yeah, listen, I think today was a flyover to get everybody up to speed because the mainstream media traditionally hasn't covered a lot of the explosive revelations that have occurred the last six months or a year. And so it was an opportunity for uh, James Comer, Jim Jordan, uh, and Chairman Smith from the Ways and Means Committee to Jason Smith to tell people, listen, you keep hearing the word no evidence. There is a ton of evidence, and here it is. And then to bring in some experts like um, a George uh, Washington University law professor, Jonathan Turley, to say, based on this evidence, opening an inquiry is kind of what our founding fathers had in mind. It's not an impeachment proceeding. It's an inquiry to determine if impeachment is warranted. And these are the sort of allegations that our founding fathers would intend to at least be considered and investigated uh, against the sitting president. If your sitting president's family made millions of dollars from foreign interests, uh, uh, representing interests that, had, that wanted to influence the vice president or the president of the United States, that would be a legitimate area of inquiry. And so I think Jonathan Turley lays out historically that this is not an abnormality like the Democrats have tried or some evidence-free investigation. Then they had a forensic uh, accountant, very interesting person, kind of just talking about the structures that Hunter Biden and his business associates and his families used to gather the money and how they resemble what some criminal organizations use to move money around the world. Uh, and then there was a tax uh, division uh, lawyer as well. And she uh, was just talking about how any other taxpayer might have been treated if his name wasn't Hunter Biden. And I think we just got a great flyover of the evidence. And of course, Today was uh, set up with a really dramatic curtain raiser yesterday where Jason Smith, chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, released about 700 pages of the most sensitive documents that the FBI and IRS gathered against the Biden family, uh, including an interview with James Biden, uh, including all of the recommendations and taxes, uh, tax analyses of just how Hunter Biden cheated on his taxes and how far back it went. And then all the obstruction that these agents faced when they tried to bring things to prosecutors, things like you got to remove Joe Biden's name from anything you do, including a search warrant. Uh, you can't interview these people. You can't ask these questions. Uh, you can't bring those charges um, over and over again. These agents who were uh, conducting uh, an investigation like Hunter Biden wasn't Hunter Biden, like he was just any other person. They kept being, being told no. And so I think that body of evidence, which is very explosive, set a nice uh, evidentiary fact-filled uh, discussion today before the first impeachment inquiry hearing. So, John, you broke the story, at least I don't know if you broke the story, but it's where I first read it. Um, and I'm going to I want to make sure I get the name right, uh, because it's a name that I wasn't I wasn't used to. But for yeah. those, everyone who listens to the podcast uh, regularly and have seen me on John Solomon's show know that I've been very, very clear that the Biden inquiry is fine. But really, there's a, the bigger scandal is the larger enterprise below it that allowed all mm -hmm. this to happen for year sure. after year after year. Uh, and including, I think this scandal leads back to the Russia hoax. It leads for sure to the Ukraine impeachment hoax. And we're going to get more into how the Ukraine impeachment hoax of Donald Trump back many years ago when I was the the, the lead Republican uh, during that mess, how it relates to today's um, uh, scandal that's brewing sure. with, the, with the Bidens. But first, John, I want to get into a name that I was not familiar with, 
um, that I first read on 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 your on Just the News website, uh, and that is uh, the name of Leslie Wolf. Who yeah. is Leslie Leslie Wolf? So uh, she would be called well, most uh, would, uh, uh, people in the prosecution industry would say she's the first chair. She was the top deputy to uh, U.S. Attorney David Weiss in Delaware, assigned to oversee the day-to-day -day operations of the Hunter Biden case. And, uh, you know, she's well-known in Delaware. I think uh, one of the senior prosecutors in the office, obviously trusted by Weiss in the beginning to oversee what was clearly going to be a very politically sensitive case. But what you see in the emails that Joseph Ziegler and Gary Shapley turned over to the Ways and Means Committee, they voted out to the public, is she is Dr. No. Uh, time and time and time again, when the agents want to take normal investigative steps that they would take against any other defendant, take Joe Biden out of this Hunter Biden, this is what they would have done for any defendant. She says no. Hey, you met the standard for a search warrant, but you can't have it. Uh, it's not a good career move to ask questions about the president's um, grandchildren. You can't interview them, even though there's a tax transaction that you have suspicion about. Oh, you got to remove Joe Biden's name from that search warrant. We're not putting him in there. Uh, oh, we're not going to bring that case of campaign finance violations against the president's campaign. She time and again was the primary person blocking investigative tactics and techniques that were normal and usual to the agents. And in some cases, uh, uh, cutting off avenues entirely, including the rejecting a search warrant for which the agents had met the standard for a search warrant. They had met probable cause and she still didn't want to do it. So she's going to become a very important witness in what I call the three C's. There are three C's in this impeachment. One is corruption. All right, we know what that is, making millions of dollars trading on your name with foreign interests trying to influence the, uh, the Biden presidency, the Biden vice presidency. That's the corruption part. The cover-up is the part where I think Leslie Wolf comes in. All the efforts to thwart the investigation from looking at things that involve Joe Biden, including Joe Biden's campaign. The agents believe, starting in early uh, 2021 and then again in 2022, both agents at F FBI, Washington and Delaware, and uh, the IRS agents, that uh, Joe Biden was the beneficiary of a legal campaign contribution, that a lawyer named Kevin Morris out of Hollywood had paid off some of Hunter Biden's uh, legal bills and uh, uh, IRS debts, his overdue taxes. We're talking millions of dollars here. Uh, and that that somehow should have been considered an illegal, unlawful contribution accepted by Joe Biden's campaign because it brought such benefit to the campaign, getting this issue off the table for Hunter Biden and Joe Biden before he became president. And Leslie Wolf says, nope, not bringing that case either. Don't like that one. Uh, and over and over again, you just see her as the doctor, no, the obstructor, as um, members of Congress have called her, to key investigative tactics that not only might have been led to more serious charges against Hunter Biden, may have led to the discovery of wrongdoing by the president himself. Okay, so we've got, you introduced something new to me. You and I haven't discussed the three C's. So yes. you've got, so you've got the corruption. Right. And you've got the cover up. Right. And the third one is credibility. Joe Biden, time and again, lied to the American people. His credibility in being, uh, in the words he stated in his final job interviews to be elected president and what he has said since he's president have time and again been disproven in many cases by his own family. How do we know that? Let's take one of the most famous lies that Joe Biden told us. Um, my family never got any money from China. That's just not true. He said that during the debate. Everyone remembers that scene, right? Not true. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, Hunter Biden was about to plead guilty before the deal fell apart to about $6 million of money he got from China just in 2016, 17, and 18. Now, in addition to that, yesterday, I broke the story that in an interview with FBI agents, James Biden, the president's younger brother, uh, told the FBI, hey, we were definitely dealing with China. We were dealing with CEFC. We were getting paid for it. Oh, and by the way, we knew that CEFC's chairman, Chairman Yi, was directly connected to the Chinese communist president of China, President Xi. So he knew that this company was connected to the Chinese government. They were making money for it. And what were they trying to do in return for their money? They were trying to help communist China buy up U.S. gas resources here in the United States, including um, an important liquid natural, natural gas terminal down in Louisiana called Monkey Island, and give it to the Chinese. That's where they were doing. Last night, Austin Scott, congressman, member of the House Intelligence Committee, where you used to be the chairman, uh, said that this looked like uh, a, a trader, a form of traitorism, allowing the Chinese to just steal one of our energy resources right beneath our nose. That he used the word traitor in my interview, very strong language. 
Think about what Joe Biden said and what we now know. And so his credibility as president, the credibility of his statements that he used to try to get elected, now also on trial in this impeachment inquiry. So we're interviewing John Solomon. You can follow John Solomon at J Solomon Reports on True Social, because we know if you're listening to my podcast, you're already on True Social, but That's make right. sure you follow John Solomon. So John, we just covered the three C's, um, but you mentioned another name that I had seen pictures of this guy, yeah. um, but I really didn't know who he was until just last, and he was, he was made famous, but he's Joe Biden's lawyer or supposed lawyer. Um, and he was made famous by the, he was smoking what appeared to be a bong uh, oh, yeah. on a, on a balcony of, of, of an apartment or something in, in yeah. the Los Angeles area, right. right around the time that Biden got that sweetheart deal from Weiss right. with the help of Wolf, Go right. back to the name we just talked about. Um, he was outside smoking what appeared to be some type of drug. Um, but he now, we learn, has a much more significant role um, with the whole Biden family. Yes, sir. And is, and is this a name, this Kevin Morris? Is that, I, I got the name Kevin right? Kevin Morris, right? yeah. P. Kevin and Morris. Or, he goes by the first initial P, middle name Kevin, last name Morris. A very successful Hollywood lawyer, big Democratic donor, donated money to Joe Biden and Democratic causes in uh, 2020. Uh, he's the guy that helped broker, uh, by his own account, uh, a major deal to sell the South Park uh, comedy series, television series, to Viacom for like a half billion dollars. Really big, successful deal for John. For I love parts. South Park. You telling me that, that South Park was owned by a, a left wing Democratic donor? <laughs> I'm going to be. I'm so disappointed. Wait a second. Isn't everything in Hollywood owned by a left wing Democrat donor? Um, yeah, this, but, yeah. But I always thought that South Park was more. It always seemed to me like it was more very center, yeah. almost libertarian leaning. It is. It's a very popular show, as you know, and very well done and very well respected. And so Kevin Morris brokers all these deals. He's very well respected in Hollywood, uh, heavyweight in Hollywood, certainly with the, the Viacom deal. And uh, in November, December of 2019, at a fundraiser for Joe Biden, allegedly, uh, he is introduced to Hunter Biden. And that begins a relationship where he begins to provide Hunter Biden money to pay off years old tax debts that if they're not paid soon, Hunter Biden's going to be indicted. So the agents in the case, Shapley and um, Joe Ziegler, as well as the FBI agents, including an agent named Joe Gordon in Baltimore, they believe that the payment during the 2020 election of some of these tax debts by Kevin Morris, basically giving a gift of money or a loan of money to Hunter Biden, basically amounted to a uh, illegal campaign contribution. Why? Well, first, he met him at a campaign event. Two, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden's in danger of being indicted during the 2020 election. If he doesn't start paying off some of his tax debts, that would be a bad thing for Joe Biden as he tries to run for president because Joe Biden's claiming there's nothing with my family that we've ever done wrong. It turns out his son was a tax cheat. So uh, he, he starts a relationship. The exact size of the relationship isn't known. Uh, we do know from the uh, scuttled plea deal that Kevin Morris paid at least $2 million of Hunter Biden's taxes over that were overdue in 2021. We now know that there were a, a significant amounts of payments in 2020. Next week, I think I'll be able to uh, bring a lot of new information to this case. I've obtained some new documents that I think are going to be very enlightening to people. But just think about that. A Democratic donor, Hollywood-connected lawyer, uh, is uh, providing millions of dollars to the president's son during the middle of a campaign and during the first year of Joe Biden's presidency. Anyone see something wrong with that? Certainly the FBI and the uh, IRS agents did, but not Leslie Wolf, not David Weiss, not those uh, folks. In fact, at some point from a story I broke last week, the FBI tries to shop this case to a second U.S. attorney. David Weiss and Wolf don't want to bring it down. I think she says she's just not interested in it. Um, and then they, uh, the FBI headquarters goes to another agent, an agent in, FBI, uh, in Washington field office named Tim Tebow. He's sort of famous as his own controversy for some anti-Trump tweets he, he put out as an FBI agent. And uh, Tebow tries to sell the, the case to the U.S. attorney in Washington, who, by the way, is also appointed by Joe Biden. And they turn down the case as well. They get rejected at both places. But uh, I think this is going to become a very big and part, important part of the impeachment inquiry. We're still learning a lot about it. But if Donald Trump's family had a Hollywood-connected lawyer suddenly paying off their overdue tax bills, 
the mainstream media would be on this like peanut, uh, like peanut butter on jelly. Uh, but in this case, there's a collective yawn uh, by the mainstream media. It is shocking that yeah. a presidential first son would have such a big gift delivered to him during the campaign. Yeah. And John, this is, um, you know, people last time you were on the show, uh, you were so informative and there was so much information in that last uh, interview. Um, and now it's just, you know, that was just a few weeks ago. And now there's just so much more information. Yeah. Um, and on the screen, for those of you listening on the audio version, um, you see there on the screen, John, um, that's, I believe that is this Kevin Morris character. And um, yeah. I, I mean, look, we don't know if he's doing drugs right there. Yeah. Um, we don't know what that is. He's got some type of paraphernalia there. He could just be, sure. I don't know, could be like a some type of inhaler, you know, I don't know, but we don't want to accuse uh, that he's doing drugs there on the balcony, yeah. but um, it sure, it sure does uh, look like it. And can you imagine you, you, you brought up that had they got one cent that went to Donald Trump Jr., the Trump organization or anything else, it would have been, you know, the end of the world. Um, yeah. If any dollar had flown in from, you know, came in via um, yeah. any foreign, foreign agent of some kind. That's right. Um, but can you imagine if if this was a picture of Donald Trump Jr. there and then you had, um, you know, one of the lawyers that were appear to be doing drugs? Don't know if he's doing drugs or not, yeah. but that right there would have been a massive scandal. Just this, just this photo, John, forget everything mm -hmm. else. This would have been a major scandal. Trump family involved with lawyer doing drugs. Yeah. Yeah, listen, uh, the double standard that we talk about in the Justice Department uh, is only made possible by the double standard that occurs in my profession. The, 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 the legacy media have run a protection racket for this family. I'm, I'm going through some documents yesterday. And how many times during the 2019 impeachment uh, inquiry of Donald Trump over Ukraine and Chokin were we told, uh, Mr. Chairman, that there was no active investigation of Brisma when uh, Joe Biden fired Chokin? That is a conspiracy theory. It's been disproven. Today, you see in the Blue Star Strategy documents and in the internal emails of Hunter Biden that the Ways and Means Committee released from the IRS over and over again saying, oh, there's an ongoing investigation. We got to shut it down. We got to get this case taken care of. The mainstream media has been lying to the American public, misinforming them over and over and over again. Uh, and that's why we are allowed to have a double system in, in justice. If the media was doing its job, I don't think the FBI and Justice Department would get away with so much of the dual system of justice that so many Americans see, but just not the news media. Um, but you're right. Uh, uh, Kevin Morris is interesting. Again, there's nothing wrong in Kevin Morris giving a loan uh, to Hunter Biden's family from his perspective. The real question is, why did the family accept such assistance? What did Kevin Morris want, if anything, in return for it? These are really big questions that any mm -hmm. curious journalist should have, any curious member of Congress should have. And I think I think that the question I have, John, and for, mm -hmm. for our audience, what, how much yeah. money do we know? How much money was it? Do we know? And how many payments were there? Is that something that's that we know yet? I'll tell you next week. Have me back on next week. I'll give you an exact number next week. <laughs> I'm working on something, but I need a little bit more time. Uh, yeah, it's so a it's, large amount of money. It's in the millions of dollars. Wow. That's that. Yeah, that would be significant to go along with the millions that came in from China, Russia, Burisma. Ukraine. Yeah. Um, yeah, from you know, via Burisma. Yeah. Um, we've got several questions, John, and this was a story that also broke, um, that you broke um, in the last week or so. And that's our old friend, uh, Ambassador, I'm going to mess it up, but Yovanovitch. Yovanovitch, yes, Yovanovich. Yovanovich. yeah, right. Yeah. And she was the ambassador uh, from the United States to Ukraine. Yes. And she's also an interesting figure because we interviewed her privately back during the Ukraine impeachment hoax. That's right. Uh, she testified publicly. And John, she just didn't know anything about Burisma at the time, right? Yeah. That's, that's as I recall, she didn't know about Burisma. I mean, I think, hell, I she think barely even remembered that Ukraine was a corrupt country, it seemed like. Yeah. But uh, she was, she's back in the news, John. What yeah. what, what can you break for well, our audience? Your colleagues on? used to call her the Sergeant Schultz of Ukraine. She knew nothing. She knew nothing at all. You have a famous Hogan Heroes character from a long time ago. Listen, she was a career ambassador, very well respected. She landed in Ukraine as sort of the end of the Obama administration when Joe Biden and his son are trying to clean up things uh, in the country. Joe Biden on foreign policy, Hunter Biden on trying to get his company Brisma out of 
criminal investigation by the Ukrainian prosecutor general's office. And she basically tells everybody during the uh, 2019 impeachment uh, case uh, involving Donald Trump, I don't know anything about embracement except what I got in my first briefing when I was preparing for the Senate confirmation and then what I read in the news media. It's a pretty sweeping statement. Didn't know anything except what I got in my briefing. But I said, that, but yeah, that but, sounds that right. Well, and okay. I remember it was like she had amnesia when we were out. She knew, no, nobody knew yeah. anything, John. Matter of fact, if you remember at the time, well, I know you remember this, but anytime we brought up that there might be corruption yep. in Ukraine and there there might be something with Burisma, yep. uh, you had you were reporting on this information. Right. You were ostracized basically from everywhere. Um, yeah. You were basically deemed a Russian agent of some kind, even though yeah. these stories had been in the fake news back in late 15, early 16, that just happened yeah. to coincide. When? When Hillary Clinton was trying to ensure that Joe Biden didn't run for president. That's a great point. And these stories popped up. They looked interesting. They went away. So then you can imagine when uh, the the perfect phone call from Donald Trump to yeah. Zelensky, the uh, the now president of Ukraine. You almost can't make all this stuff up. It's like the players that all, no. all resurface. Um, but the president was doing his job, um, told Zelensky, hey, looks like you got a corruption problem. We're hearing yeah. lots of uh, information about, um, uh, about Burisma. Um, yeah. And I'm paraphrasing. Uh, but then the president does exactly the right thing and says, look, we need to know what happened here. Billions of dollars have been sent there. And if you know something that we should be looking at to help you on your corruption issue, you should, probably should turn it over to the Department of Justice. That's right. That's what he said. Yeah. Well, what 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 um, the, the ambassador testified to and what we've learned since then is very different. We found out that she was repeatedly being briefed on Burisma. She was told that there had been a USAID contract that should not have gone to Burisma and it was canceled. She got a letter from Burisma's lawyer, John Beretta, laying out why she thought the US, United States should help uh, end the corruption case against Burisma in Ukraine. She met with Blue Star Strategies in uh, uh, December 19 as they made an appeal to her to try to get rid of the cases. She was told that Burisma may have made, while Hunter Biden was on the board, uh, two bribery payments to Ukrainian officials. And this week, we were able to find deleted photos. We learned about this because State Department officials alerted us to this fact. Hey, she actually was meeting with some of the key figures at, of Burisma in public events in 2017, the first year of the Trump administration, right after she'd been told about all the corruption involving Burisma. She has two public events where she sits alongside on the die at a public event. I believe they were both at the U.S.-Ukraine Business Council. Vadim Pazarsky. Picture, picture on the screen for those you of you listening. Vadim's on, on the left. Yep. Vadim Pazarsky was the handler for Hunter Biden on the Brisma board. He's the guy that shows up in the FT 1023 FBI report as somebody uh, who knew about some bribery payments to the Bidens. She's sitting on stage with a guy from a company that her own State Department declared corrupt. Now, why would she do that? And oh, why didn't these photos come out before, like during 2019 impeachment? They had been deleted off the internet. Burisma had deleted them off the internet. You couldn't find them. We only found them because a State Department whistleblower let us know, oh my God, she was meeting with this guy, Vadim Pazarsky in 2017, right at the same time the FBI is hearing that maybe Vadim and Burisma are involved in a bribery scheme involving the Bidens. Poof, they disappear from the internet. And if we weren't given that tip, we might still not know about the photos. But I think a lot of yeah. people, uh, including your old colleague, um, Congressman Lee Zeldin believed that maybe she should be called back during this impeachment to ask about all the things she didn't tell the last impeachment. Well, John, um, two things strike me here. Um, one is lying to Congress, lying and misleading Congress. Last time yeah. I checked that, that was a crime, right? Yeah. I mean, we have to look at her words and see whether it's a lie or an omission, right? Maybe uh, it's a good question, but I do think, listen, there is a It would real, be a big omission. I mean, she knew yeah, we were there talking about Burisma, talking about Hunter yeah. Biden. I mean, it, it, it's it's a, it's not an omission, John. I mean, look, yeah. she may be able to weasel weasel her way out of this, but um, we asked her these questions. She had a duty to 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 tell us that, that she knew about Burisma and yeah. she knew about the Biden issues and she didn't do it. But she said it was another, not a front burner issue, but it was a front burner issue. That's what's so amazing about it. Mm -hmm. um, about a month ago, uh, 
Congressman, I think you saw the story that I broke. There was a memo that had been marked classified so it wouldn't be discovered during impeachment. Or at least it was it was marked classified so it wasn't discovered during impeachment. I don't know if there's a reason for it being marked classified, but it was marked classified. And in it, George Kent, her top deputy, he was the guy that wore the bow tie during your, the impeachment proceedings. I think you questioned him. You remember him. Mm -hmm. uh, he writes, Marie Ivanovich, writes a personal email to the ambassador saying, somebody should tell Vice President Joe Biden before he leaves office. This is in November of 2016. So Donald Trump's won. Obama and Biden are leaving office in a couple of weeks. Somebody should tell Joe Biden that his son, Hunter, undercut all of our U.S. anti-corruption efforts in Ukraine. That is a big statement. That is a big front burner claim by her top deputy. That is something she had an obligation to tell Congress about because they, you asked her and you asked George Kent, did this ever affect U.S. policy? And I think they were saying no, as my recollection. But in this email, George Kent tells the ambassador it did affect under uh, U.S. policy. It actually undercut the U.S. effort to fight corruption in Ukraine. Hunter Biden did. Um, those are the sort of things that I think she could be questioned about now that are going to be serious matters. Yeah. And then and then the other issue that you that you raise with the photos that you've uncovered. Those along with all of these emails. Yeah. These are all documents and photos that should have been provided to our committee back in the day that were effectively hidden from us. Yeah. And so, you know, and I think a lot of people out there in including myself. Look, I always assumed that they were hiding stuff because we dealt with the Russia hoax and all of those games. Right. But the State Department got involved in this in the middle of impeachment. They, they know President Trump is their boss. They know there are exonerating emails and photos yeah. that would complete. Look, imagine if those emails and photos came out. It's just like it's it's case over. Yeah. If those would have been provided to us on the committee, it's it's case over. It's like, yeah, there was corruption. State Department knew about it. And oh, by the way, look, you got all these people that are all related that are in photos. And yeah. so, I mean, this is, I mean, this is definitely, well, um, I think know, nobody will ever pay a price for this, but no, hopefully these issues come back up. <laughs> Excuse me. I want to say something because that memo from Kent to Yovanovitch not only would have been a damning piece of exculpatory evidence for Donald Trump, it could have ended Joe Biden's campaign. Hey, the State Department believed Joe Biden and his son undercut the very thing that Joe Biden was put in charge of, fighting corruption in Ukraine, right? Just think about if that had come out before. Maybe there isn't a President Biden in 2020. It is such an amazing document. And the only way I got it is that whistleblowers inside the State Department had the courage to, to make it public. Uh, otherwise, yeah. we still wouldn't know about it because you know what? It wasn't produced to me under all the FOIA litigation that I had uh, fought against the State Department. Right. They kept it even. Well, there, there were our subpoenas. When I say our, it was the House <laughs> Intelligence Committee right. subpoenas that clearly these were, were relevant and fell under. And they were relevant to Ron Johnson and Chuck Grassi in 2022. I mean, the just the think United about States all the Senate. Yep. You've yeah. got the House, you've got the Senate, and you've got yeah. your FOIAs. I think you guys working with Judicial Watch, all of these combined. Yeah, Southeastern Legal Foundation, right. Yeah. 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 All, all of these combined are, are issues that. Um, uh, that, that look, I mean, you've got Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro uh, being prosecuted in Washington, D.C. Yep. Uh, for not being timely with production of of information to that to uh, the House of Representatives. I mean, and this is I mean, this is really bad when you, you've got it's the two it's a you know two tiered system of justice right yeah. you got people who can lie and get away with it right. and you got other people who are basically claiming look there's presidential privilege here people should rule on this i'm not just going to come in and give over this information i mean very valid arguments that both navarro and yeah. and and bannon have um but are are being mer just mercilessly prosecuted on this yeah uh, and and uh, you know there's an interesting dynamic and i know you'll appreciate this cuz you've had the struggle to get any truth in the legacy media. Last week, uh, there was a great moment in the Washington Post. It, in fact, it even cited just the news a couple of times. But Glenn Kessler, the Pinocchio man, the guy who gives all of the truth fact checks, if you can call him that, at the Washington Post, um, had to admit that the story he told everybody and that the Democrats told everybody, and that Joe Biden told everybody, that Joe Biden was simply following U.S. policy when he withheld the billion dollars to try to force the firing of Shokin wasn't true. In fact, Glenn Kessler came up with a whole new story now based on the documents which show that the original story we were told in 19, 20, 21, 22 wasn't true. He re-interviewed the, uh, the Joe Biden people and they said, oh, wait, we're, we're sorry. We got that wrong. You're right. 
Joe Biden called an audible on the plane to Ukraine. He decided on the plane he was going to leverage the billion dollars to fire Shokin. Now, why did they change that story? Because the State Department documents actually showed that the U.S. policy recommendation to Joe Biden was keep Victor Shokin as prosecutor and give him the billion dollars. And Hunter, Joe Biden goes to Ukraine and does the opposite. He says, I'm not giving you the billion dollars until you fire Shokin. And there's an interesting twist even in that. Uh, two weeks after Joe Biden did that privately, apparently he forgot to tell the Europeans. You know why? The European Commission voted out a report in December 2015, two weeks after Joe Biden began the process of firing Victor Shokin, the prosecutor investigating his son's company, Brisma. Uh, and they said, hey, Victor Shokin's doing a good job. He's met all the standards for fighting corruption that the European Union um, set for him. And they vote out this report and say, you know, they, they're doing a good job. Europe, we were told Europe wanted Shokin out. The U.S. Uh, State Department wanted Shokin out. It's simply not true. Finally, a fact checker somewhere reversed his fact checking and, and got something right, or at least got part of it the story evolving to where it needs to be, which is that Joe Biden fired this prosecutor in opposition to U.S. policy at a time when his son's company was looking to do something about that troublesome prosecutor. Well, there, look, there's so, there's so much here um, in this. And I have a couple more questions that I want to sure. get to, John, because, um, you know, we have you here and there's so much going on. Um, but today you had the Democrats yep. uh, tried to today during the impeachment in, inquiry. Uh, the Democrats brought up some names from the past, a blast from the past for both of us, John. They wanted to subpoena Rudy Giuliani and yep. a guy named Lev Parnas, who I believe now is in jail or on his way to jail. Yep. I think you and I have some experience um, with uh, Mr. Parnas, a guy who yeah. Yeah. I never even knew who the hell he was, didn't know anything about him. Yep. Um, and he made wild claims that um, that I had talked to him. Um, that he had given information to me, very, very wild claims that, yeah. you know, we had no, didn't have any of that information. Um, and it's like, here you got a guy that's sitting in jail, um, a guy who clearly, um, you know, made up wild tales about uh, his involvement. It looks like he was trying to, to manipulate the Democrats and the, and the, and the courts to try to get himself out of, out of trouble. So, but now the Democrats, it's like, they want to resurrect these old players again, like guys, they know that'll come up and just, yeah. They know he's not credible. Um, they know he was lying. They know he's been you know, prosecuted and convicted by a jury. And and yet they want to bring this guy back. And, yeah. you know, this is somebody that was used at the time as this was all Russian disinformation. Yeah. Um, and John Solomon is not credible. If you remember that we have some questions about that because yeah. you were reporting on this at the time. Yep. And and even though the, the 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 left and the Democrats tried to discredit you and tried to tie you to to Parnas, I just want to be clear, John, again, that's not where the information came from. It's not where you yeah. were getting your information uh, at yeah. the time. It wasn't yeah. from Parnas and it wasn't from Giuliani. If the Democrats would like to find out where I got my information from, they could go to the U.S. Attorney's Office of the Southern District of New York. They won't like the answer but maybe they should go find out. So listen, I did use Lev Parnas as a translator and a facilitator. It's what a journalist is. I, he had been doing some translating uh, and facilitation work for one of my lawyers or someone that I had hired recently as a lawyer, uh, Victoria uh, Tensing and Joe DeGeneva. And I, I needed some help. I, I had already gotten the entire story on what Joe Biden, Hunter Biden were up to from law enforcement sources. I'll say that right now. Uh, and I needed some help interviewing the Ukrainian prosecutors. I didn't speak Ukraine. And I mentioned it to Victoria. Uh, and she said, oh, well, I got, uh, I got a guy who does it for me. And so he facilitated some of the translations and some of the um, coordination of interviews that I did on the record on camera, by the way. They're not in doubt. There's nothing secret about them. They were on video. Uh, and he did that. And from time to time, he would send me things. Sometimes he'd send me things that were totally wrong. I'm like, that's just not true, Lev. I looked it up. Not true. Other times he'd send me a tip and I tried to go find it out. But my story, my evidence came from three places. I learned about it from federal law enforcement starting in December 2018, before I even knew Rudy was involved. Uh, in uh, the summer, in the spring of 2019, when Rudy Giuliani gave me some information to look at, I told my bosses at the Hill, I looked at it. Some of it I've already corroborated, written. The other part of it I don't believe is true based on my reporting, so I'm not going to use any of it. The United States government saw that memo, saw me rejecting information from not Rudy Giuliani, not accepting it. The mm -hmm. information I got that where I built my entire stories on, which, by the way, not a single fact has ever been disproven, came from federal law enforcement, from FOIA documents, 
uh, that I won through lawsuits and from Joe Biden himself, who just had the prescience, uh, the sense of mind to go on a videotape and brag that he fired the prosecutor investigating his son's company and without, by uh, threatening to withhold a billion dollars. It was sitting on videotape. My stories had no secret sources. They were all sitting out there for everybody to see. And I would and welcome, I would love to have left Parnas testify. I think it'd be very interesting to see what he'd say about me because the federal government saw what I, my contacts with Lev Parnas where they found him very interesting. Yeah, John, it's just, and I just want everybody to know, I mean, this is, there's so few uh, that do the job that you do and are willing to do. And you stuck to your guns yeah. even back in the day when you were being, I think you were being publicly shamed as I remember, yeah. at least your stories were, I can't remember. I think they even maybe used your name in official hearings. Um, to to Adam Schiff released your... my phone records without even checking with me to see what he made insinuations of what was in my phone records without even calling me. But well, he don't... took a reporter's phone records and plastered them out on the public, and I believe yours as well. Don't yeah, don't feel bad. He also released Adam Schiff released <laughs> mine. Yeah, um, but but you know what? My final question on this, and then I want to I do want to get your take on a couple sure. other topics today if if, if you have yep. time, but. Um, we have an interesting, somebody was up late tweeting last night. Yeah. And I want to put that up on the screen. It's an old, old friend of mine. Yeah. Um, and I think we're going to find that here. If we can get the tweet up on the, uh, got me in suspense I don't know, is, is it a tweet where this is or, going. Is it a, or is it an X? I don't know what it's called anymore. Yeah. Um, but this was, this was fascinating. Yeah. Or. Our guys are trying to get it up on the screen there. Okay. It's from our old friend, Eric Swalwell. Ah. And he's talking about a wire transfer. Yeah. And he's, and he's, he's responding to James Comer, chairman Comer, yep. who says $250,000 from China was wired to Hunter Biden, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Beijing cash was basically wired right to Joe's front door. <clears throat> this is right. from chairman Comer. I'm paraphrasing. Yep. Swalwell last night decides, or I guess early this morning, here's Swalwell's quote, responding to Comer, quote, does this moron know a wire transfer is not a physical cash delivery to an address? We are dealing with the dumbest people who walk this earth, unquote. <laughs> now, John, um, I mean, look, this is something so stupid, it almost doesn't deserve a response. Yeah. Um, except that last time I checked, a wire transfer is the movement of cash from one bank account to another bank account. Is That's that right. correct? It is. So, so you're really trying to, I mean, he's trying to like mince words here about a wire transfer not being cash. I guess the only thing that he has to his, uh, I mean, he's really stretching the truth. Well, he's not stretching the truth. He's just like he's manipulating people as if that the Bidens never got any cash. And, the, and it's absolutely well, not true. The Bidens clearly got cash. They've got the bank records. If you're a Democrat, the last person you want as a character witness on issues involving Chinese money is Eric Swalwell, who had his own relationship with a Chinese woman that called. Oh my God, I great, totally forgot about that. Great disgrace to the House, right? I mean, it was an embarrassment to the entire institution what he did. Uh, but of all the subjects, it's Eric Swalwell should probably not try to claim uh, expertise in China is probably one of them. Uh, but mm. hey, uh, the Democrats have never been against. Uh, 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 having hypocrisy as the leading of their chin. I it just, it's remarkable to me. Uh, I think there are some serious questions still about Eric Swalwell and what potential infiltration the Chinese were trying to make through him. Why was he vulnerable to their, whatever effort it was that they were trying to do there. But uh, man, if I'm the Democrats, that's the last guy I would want to put out there. I mean, that's like asking Vladimir Putin to be a commentator on Ukraine. You just don't do it right. Like, hey, we know where Vladimir Putin comes from. Uh, uh, Swalwell has a big problem on China that embarrassed the entire institution of Congress. Yeah, and, he, and, and look, he's he's covering here yeah. for the Democrats, for the Biden, saying yeah. that that you know, no, 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 no money, a wire transfer has nothing to do with cash. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's really. Incredible. I know a few bankers who would disagree with that. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I I just don't know the difference. There is no yeah. difference because it's ridiculous. Yeah, um, John, uh, last night. Um, uh, another uh, debate. Um, it appeared um, Donald Trump went to uh, Michigan uh, to yep. meet with the United Auto yeah. Workers uh, and give his speech. 
Um, look, it's been my opinion. This is no secret uh, that I've said this on on here on my podcast for a while, and I think yeah. interviews with you. Um, I've just said, look, these are not serious debates. Um, some of these aren't even serious people that the RNC still has up there. Yeah. Um, these are people that that either bought their way on stage or are being yeah. funded by people who are who who are only there to do harm to the Republican Party. Many know that they cannot win. That doesn't mean all of them. Some of them, I think, most almost all of them know they are not going to win. Yeah. Um, and have no shot. But I think maybe, uh, you know, are, are very credible people, friends of mine that could ultimately end up in an administration yeah. somewhere. But but last night it was that debate was simply unwatchable. I thought the first one was really yeah. bad, but last night's was simply unwatchable. And uh, this is my my commentary. I, I haven't I'm, I, I'm yeah. supposed to be interviewing you, John. I'm sitting here talking. I apologize. No, listen, I um, think you're on to something. Yeah. But it was even this morning um, when you saw the, you know, kind of the people pontificating. Yeah. I mean, even the people that really, I think, would not prefer Donald Trump and including like restaurants where people go on interviewing. I mean, everybody said Donald Trump won the debate and Donald Trump should not debate yeah. these this cast of characters. And I don't. What's your take? Yeah, listen, it didn't feel like a, a, a presidential debate that did much uh, benefit to the public. Yeah, there were some moments where you saw people, um, you know, talk about policy, and I think that's always good. We should always know where our leaders stand. But you know, the whole game of Survivor, who should get voted off? How immature was that for a journalist or a presidential candidate to have to entertain? Uh, and there was all these, you know, these silly uh, canned lines that people had uh, that you know were written by some consultant, and they sounded cheesy. Americans are trying to figure out how they're going to pay their next grocery bill and their next gas bill. And the idea that presidential debates have turned into a game of island survivor where you write down your, your candidate you want to knock off, I think that's insulting to the intellect of the American people. It's insulting to the um, needs of the American people who are suffering in the Biden economy so much. And what, what did uh, uh, President Trump do last night that was so different? These other candidates sat up there and had this debate that I don't think moved the needle for most people. He went out and met with the frontline workers at uh, Michigan and said, hey, I'm here to get my hands dirty. I'm going to help try to save your industry because Joe Biden wants to let China take over your industry. I'm here to do that. Uh, we've seen him do that before. But back in uh, earlier this year, he went and handed out water at East Palestine when Joe Biden wouldn't go and comfort a community hurt by a terrible tragedy. Uh, I think uh, Donald Trump wins the debate with those optical moments where he goes out and gets his hands dirty and does something. He hands out water. He goes to a fast food restaurant. He hangs out with the uh, workers here, by the way, he hung out for a lot more than 12 minutes, which is all Joe Biden could find time for on the picket line. Uh, and I think that that contrast was so, uh, people in, interpret it internally, right? They get an internal feeling like, well, Joe, I'd rather see what Donald Trump did than a bunch of guys uh, playing a game of island survivor in a, in a fake debate. Uh, I think many Americans walked away, if they did watch it, disappointed. And I think Donald Trump wins because he actually did something. He went out and tried to go meet real people and try to come up with a policy prescription to save their industry, to save the American auto industry. So it's good optics for him. It worked. It worked well for Donald Trump last night. Well, and and even on uh, and on the screen now we have the yeah. Daily Mail, which yeah. is uh, I think no fan of of President Trump, but sure. uh, they had a poll. The headline uh, for those of you who are listening on mm -hmm. audio. Donald Trump declared winner of second Republican debate in Daily Mail poll, even though he stayed away. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty clear. And I think a lot of even the mainstream Politico and others, I mean, they, they they talked about this not moving the needle against Donald Trump. The other contenders have to move the needle and they're not. And in fact, Donald Trump just keeps climbing in the polls. And I think the way Joe Biden has pivoted in the last couple of weeks, it's pretty clear to me that Joe Biden thinks he's going to be facing Donald Trump in the primary or in the general election because he's already starting to just deal with Trump and nobody else. And so, yeah, uh, yeah it is what it is. We're going to have to watch it. Of course, it's a long time. Things can happen between now and Iowa. Uh, but I don't think last night's debate moved much of a needle. And um, I don't think the uh, host did, did journalism or politics much of a favor with just the way they did it. Yeah, well, look, you had an, an, a couple other weird items that uh, that yeah. I've seen just in the last few minutes. Of course, the yeah. stuff, it always comes out. But you had uh, former governor Nikki Haley um, attacking uh, Vivek or Vivek. Or, yeah, right. Um, Vivek, yeah. Guy. yeah. Um, and they kind of went at each other's throats. Yeah. And then, of course, then it comes out that, that Governor Haley had written a blurb for Vivek's book. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. You, you know? can't. 
I mean, and then you have the other issue that I think, and I don't want to get this wrong. I don't know the name of the 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 Univision host, but the the Univision um, reporter also just did something with Hillary Clinton uh, just recently. So I mean, you just can't you just can't make uh, make this stuff up. It just you know it's continual like. And this is, I think, the pro- the larger problem that that myself and I and I think that President Trump agrees that you know th- these debates are essentially being set up as like these ridiculous traps for Donald Trump. Um, and look, and he, I don't think he needs any more traps. He's got the Department of Justice and and every blue state looking to uh, essentially trample all over his constitutional rights. And we had that breaking news, um, yeah. you know, just in the Yesterday. last, uh, you know, 48 yeah. hours. That's right. Um, that, and I don't, I don't, let's just get your quick take on what seems to be one of the most unusual rulings of our t- all, all time that Donald yeah. Trump has basically been convicted by a judge and his businesses are being torn apart. Yeah. Um, and his, I mean, in the whole hypocrisy of this, that Mar-a-Lago is valued at by this judge at $18, 18 million. Billion. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which look, John, you could knock down all the buildings at Mar-a-Lago, and you know that is a piece of property with zi- yeah. no buildings on it that's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, look, and Zillow doesn't lie, right? Zillow has a business; it has to keep honest assessments, you know, to to uh, to meet its uh, customers' things, and it values it at way more than that. I, it, listen, at the end of the day. Um, the court systems uh, are, I think, long-term eroding their confidence with the American people with this sort of silliness of this was supposed to be a pretrial ruling and it came out like a verdict almost. And, you know, again, all these things are going to go through the appellate process. And I think a lot of things will change in history. But the first act of history is an act that I think creates more doubt in the minds of a majority of Americans about are the courts being fair? Are the FBI being fair? Is the Justice Department being fair? And yesterday, not only did you have the Trump ruling, you had all this stuff that these agents put out through the Ways and Means Committee. And you see a Justice Department trying to find every way possible not to investigate Joe Biden while doing everything possible to try to find something to throw at the wall at Donald Trump. I think most Americans feel uncomfortable with that. Even if you don't like President Trump or you do like President Trump, you can't feel good about the differences in the way that Hunter Biden and Donald Trump have been treated in the same system, by the same department, by the same court system. And I think that issue is on the ballot in 2024. Americans will be deciding not only what president they want, but what sort of justice system are we going to have for the future? So, John, final question, uh, since I get to ask you the questions. And (laughs) you can just say you're you're a journalist. um, And I am am not. Um, I get to put my opinions. And as you know, Um, I have long believed that Joe Biden is not going to be the nominee. Yeah. Now you said that um, on my show. That, yeah. said that on your show for many, probably about a year. Um, yeah. What uh, What say you? What do you think the odds are here of, of Biden staying it's, in this thing till the end? It's hard to know. The one thing that's very clear to me is that Democrats who seemed a lot more confident about a Joe Biden uh, re-election are a lot less confident. They are sounding alarms daily. The polls scare them. You have uh, you have people not even willing to embrace Joe Biden's choice for vice president. Like uh, if he wants him, it's okay. You can keep her. But I, you know, the the lack of ringing endorsement, the lack of embrace, um, uh, the uh, all the optics of Joe Biden even having to have special shoes so he doesn't fall down. Um, I think has cre- created a sense of panic in the Democratic Party. Will it lead to the sort of panic that you throw him off the ticket? I don't know. That was the debate in 1980 with Jimmy Carter and Ted Kennedy. Uh, ironically, uh, Kennedy now char- uh, challenging Joe Biden and Bobby Kennedy Jr. But I do think yeah. that um, the, the panic is set in that Democrats do not feel that Joe Biden is a strong hand right now. But there's a lot of history. The economy can change. Things can happen. But uh, I don't think the Democrats feel as confident. And when I say that, three quarters of Americans want a different choice than Joe Biden on the ticket. So that's a reason to be lacking in confidence in your nominee. When polls show they want somebody other than the guy you're putting forward, uh, will he be there? We'll see. We'll see what happens. A lot of history is going to play out. But he is not in a very strong position right now. In fact, he may be in the weakest position I've seen of any incumbent in the time since I've been a reporter. Yeah. And, and I will tell you that, you know, the op and one of the things that I talked about on your show a couple of weeks ago uh, was, you know, if one thing I think you and I have experience on when a democratic run op is going, you always see the same players. 
And what you saw a couple of weeks ago was yeah. simultaneously yep. many of the, the usual suspects on the Democratic side yeah. that work with the news media, they either are the news yeah. media or work with the news media, did kind of a four-day blitz yep. that Biden should get out of the race. Yeah, David Ignatius, very, among them. Very yeah, telling. David Ignatius, the Washington Post columnist, sort of a bellwether of the left. Um, yeah, yeah, a lot. Uh, you're right. I Listen, you were the first to say it to me. I, maybe two, three months ago, you were way ahead of this curve, as you always are. And um, we'll see. We'll see how history plays out. There's always time to right side the ship. But right now, this is a presidency that's in a little bit of peril right now. Well, John, you are... A great guy, great friend, um, yes. and you do great work. And I know that you know this is we've got so many people right now that want us to. They have so many questions. They want us to keep going, uh, but I've got, I've got to let John go. John's got to get back to work, folks. I thank do. You. Yes, I got a podcast. I got to do. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, look, I want to thank all of you who are watching this live uh, on Rumble. Uh, please support uh, John Solomon. You can follow him on True Social. Uh, and you can uh, watch this um, if you're listening on audio. Be sure to follow me on on Rumble, and and don't forget if you're the Apple gods are always there's always haters on there that are downplaying my podcast, and you got to go on there and give me a rating. If you're listening to this on audio, you got to go in there and give me a rating. Thank you for doing that because the haters are always always on there. Um, and also, John, it's not. I, so sorry, I totally forgot. Um, you just mentioned it, and I should give you an opportunity. Uh, not only do you have your new show that comes on Real America's Voice, who's also on True Social, but also your podcast. Yeah, I love doing it. John Solomon Reports, available on all the podcast platforms. You've been gracious to come on so many times, particularly in really key moments in history where we're trying to make sense of these big revelations. I'm always grateful when you come on. I know our audience is, too. Well, you can check out John Solomon's uh, podcast also or watch him on Real America's Voice. John, it's always a pleasure. Thanks, sir. Good to be with you. It's Devin Nunes. We'll catch you next time.